Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Interesting that uh, Joanna talked about being a, a good steward of the, the little things for the big things. Our boys and girls are the biggest little things that are in our church. And uh, this is the sermon before the sermon. Um, The reason we put priority on, on, on boys and girls is because their, their hearts have not hardened up by what they've seen in the world so far. And it's the best time for boys and girls to ever have the opportunity to choose Jesus. Now, I've shared with you before some statistics about folks my age and above receiving Christ. Once you hit 60 uh, and and you're not a believer, it is like a 1 in 30 chance that you will go ahead and say yes to Christ. Why? Because we've become so cultured and, and, and our ways are so set in us that we really don't go ahead and say, I want that big of a change. And folks, the reason I share this with you is not that we want to, quote, get them young, but it gives us an opportunity to go ahead and share the gospel. And the very thing we're going to be talking about this morning has to do with how you run, how you run, um, running either from God or running to God. We talked about this last week, but I want to share with you that we're going to be kind of looking at a, a, a perhaps a third option, and it's the option that everyone in this room has to participate in at one time or another in our lives. You see, most of us start with running from God. We start with running from God. That's part of our sin nature, and that's part of uh, the part that wants to be the God over our own life. We go in and say, I want to go ahead and, and run my own life. And, and when I find out that there really is a God and He loves me and He wants to be a part of my life and He wants to be the central part of my life, I kind of, now, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I'd, like, I, I'd like to go ahead and get my ducks in a row the way I want them. And so just wait. And we run from God. God is, con- listen, folks, God is constantly at work around you. Even if you, every person that you know, God is at work in their life. Every single one of them on planet earth this morning. God is at work all around them trying to get them and draw them to himself. Now think of the, think of the person that you, you would say, that, that is the last person that would have anything to do with God. God is after that person. He pursues us with a relentless passion. And we run from Him with headlong abandon. Now putting the two things together, if I'm running from God, like a Jonah, well for that matter, like like Peter, who ran from Jesus as he was being betrayed in the garden, Peter takes off, lops the ear off of a guy, and, and by the way, when you read that account in the gospel accounts, understand that 
the, the servant that was there that, got, that lost his ear. You remember the story? He loses his ear. Jesus restores the ear right there. And everyone's kind of going, and we're going to arrest him? Mm-hmm. Peter was trying to kill him. You don't, look, if you're in a fight, you're not trying to say, let me see if I can lop off his ear. No, you're trying to cut him right across the throat. And that's what Peter was doing. He was trying to go and do what he promised Jesus. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to do everything I can. Guys, listen to me. The minute that happened, it says all of the disciples ran from Jesus. They were running from God. But there comes a place where we begin to go ahead and turn our hearts to God and we begin to run to Him. You remember the story of the prodigal. We talked about him last week. The prodigal finally figures out that my life is not what I wanted it to be. I'm not doing as well as I thought I would do. And if you read that account, you find again and again and again, it is I, 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 I. I'm... I'm failing. I'm starving to death. I'm not even eating as well as the hogs over here. He said, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to say to him, hey, I've sinned against you and God. And he starts practicing and rehearsing this. And then it says he goes to his father. He begins that path back. path that many of you all have taken in your life where you take a step back to God. You begin to run to God. The interesting thing about that, we graduate to running to God. You see, the whole story of that is actually what's called the whole story. There's a Jesus-shaped hole in your life that nothing else is going to fit in except God. You want to try to fit money or power or prestige, fame and fortune in it, but that miss, but like a missing puzzle piece, and I don't know if you all like to do this. My little girl likes to do puzzles, okay? Why? Because it involves all of us at the same time. And she will get one of these 1,000-piece puzzles. Never, ever allow your child to buy that. And these are the ones that have the little kind of angular diamond-shaped cuts, and they're all different. And what looks like the right piece and looks like it's going to fit that little diamond in that little diamond hole there, and you go, good, and this is my deal. I I don't like doing puzzles. I do not. I like the the family time, but I don't like puzzles. And so I will find, I have this deal, I will find one piece. My job, my wife and my daughter are in there going, they will spend hours just doing it. And I go, I've got to find my one piece, and that's my only contribution of the 999 pieces. And I thought, are any of you all like this, or am I just rambling up here? Okay, good, fine, all right. You don't have to come forward and be saved this morning, all right? So I'm out there, and I find my one puzzle piece. But what happens is you take that puzzle piece that you think is there and you try it and it doesn't work. You try another, it doesn't work. You try another. That's what happens when we have a hole in our life that is Jesus-shaped and we try to put stuff in there that does not fit. Instead, we graduate eventually to running to God. Now, the interesting story about the prodigal is that as he is moving towards his father. The Bible says his father, and if you read it correctly in Greek, it says his father hastened. His father ran 
to him. It's not just you and I, as Jesus is telling this parable, it's not just us running to God. It is God constantly seeking us out and running to meet us when he sees our heart has changed. Running from God and then running to God. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in the first letter to the Corinthian church. We have this passage this morning. We've read it many times before. But like so many parts of God's holy and perfect word, it speaks to you and me about where we are in our lives. And and this morning, it also talks to us about running. And Paul gives us a different option of running. And it's one that you and I must have if we're a Christ follower this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Very familiar passage to many of you all here this morning. We stand to honor God in the reading of His holy and perfect Word. And I'm going to invite you to read with me. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. The third running that Paul talks about is you and I are called to run for God. Not just run away from Him, not just run to Him, but run for Him. When Paul writes this, he's talking in in chapter 9. He he starts out in chapter 9 and he begins to talk to the Corinthian church. And by the way, this had to have been, I've shared with you this before, it had to be a Baptist church, all right? First Baptist Corinthian Church. I'm I'm convinced of it. Because this church was split right down the middle. You had Jews on one side who really didn't like the non-Jews who became followers of Jesus. They were in a port city. And they constantly, and, and by the way, this is the only, it's the only of the churches that Paul wrote letters to that we have a definite idea of exactly where it was located. It was on the Agora, this this main street in Corinth. And there were temples that were right next to each other, right right down this way. It would be like, um, here's First Baptist Church. And, And right across the street is the temple of Moloch. Moloch's not a good god. You don't want to, you don't, you don't, Especially if you're a little boy or girl, you don't want to be a part of both. And then the right next to us over here is the temple of Baal. And then right over here is the temple of Asherah. Asherah, by the way, would have this long, long, long pole that would be sticking in the air, about 25, 30 feet. And they did various and sundry things worshiping around that pole. I share this with you because if you can imagine First Baptist being being in that kind of a setting, we know where the Corinthian church was, and they were right next to all of these temples to, to gods that God said are not real gods. 
And when Paul wrote to them, he said, look, you're going to get people that are going to be coming in because you're the new church in town. And they're going to come in and they're going to say, well, what makes you different from them or them or them or them? And he says, here's what you've got to do. You have to be perfect and blameless in the way that you conduct yourself. And you have to be perfect and blameless for everybody to see, not just in your private life, but in your public life as well. And he said, there are going to be people that will watch you and go, okay, well, if you go to that church, I want nothing to do with that church because I've seen how you really are. Scary stuff. I've seen you when you are pressed and under pressure. I've seen you when you have great joy. And I'm trying to weigh the difference of the person that I see in that. And Paul writes, here's what you have to do in order to go ahead and run for God. Number one, you have to be willing to go ahead and run in a way that your body and your physical reactions and your emotional and mental reactions and your spiritual reactions are under God's control instead of just saying, this is a terrible day. It's going to rain outside. I was planning on having a wonderful day outside. People are going, you're on this side of the grass. Aren't you happy about that? That's what your religion says. I don't want any part of that religion. No, as a matter of fact, running for God means that part of growing up in your faith is choosing what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. Now, please understand this. It is so tempting when you go and you look in the Bible, to just simply ask God, give me a list of things that I can do and the things that I can't do, and I'll just follow the list and it'll be perfectly fine. And you know what? God did that in Exodus chapter 20. He gave us ten simple rules. And the Bible says we couldn't go ahead and obey those rules. They're called the Ten Commandments. All right, we're going to, hey, it's only 11.10. All right, I'm going to take a minute. We're going to see if we can do this. Name... Don't just everybody go, okay, I won't hear that. Somebody give me one. Don't cheat. Do not cheat and look at Exodus. Do not put your phone out. I will call you down. You'll have to transfer to the Methodist church immediately out of shame. Teasing. I love Methodists. All right, here it is. Give me one of the Ten Commandments. Yes, sir. Don't murder. That's a good one. Some people in this room need to understand that after a yesterday. Yep. All right, don't murder. Yes, ma'am. Well, we've got do not kill and do not murder. Okay, we've got that one down, all right? Yes, ma'am. Honor your mother and your father. By the way, it's the only one that comes with a promise with it. If you do that, your days will be long, extended. Okay, one more. Yes, ma'am. Boy, don't try to go in and play God as being the God that you put on the shelf of Sunday. I'll worship this God on Sunday, but the other six days I do whatever I want, and I become my own God. Okay, we've given three out of ten. Next week we're going to get three more, so remember that, okay? Remember the ones you cannot do. Honor God, honor God, only one God. Don't kill, murder, or do anything like that. And the last one is, what was it? Honor your father and mother, okay, for all of you all here. All right, front two rows, here it is. Now, 
The reason I share that is God gave us those ten lists and we could not fulfill them. And so what God had to do is come in and say, I'm going to give you something else that won't require your effort to do. It is all about what I am going to do for you. And it is called grace through faith. And it comes through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And when He died on the cross, He wants you and me to understand that part of our growing up is not just doing or not doing good or bad things. Part of growing up is knowing what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to not do. And guys, listen to me. That centers around not a pastor telling you what to do, not your mama telling you what to do or not to do. It centers around when you allow God to be the one that affects and affects your life. Where He's the one you consult on everything. Now, I, a few minutes ago, I, we had the little list over here for upward basketball, okay? I, I love Upward. Upward is an important ministry. Because I get the chance to go ahead and talk to little boys and girls around two things, Jesus and basketball, which are two things I really like. You should not be a part of Upward Basketball until you ask God if God wants you to be a part of upward basketball. But please hear this. Hear this and do not miss it. If God says yes, you don't go ahead and use God as your exit strategy. I just don't want to do it. I'll pray about it. And then you don't pray. Same thing as telling somebody, I'll pray for you. And you never do. Let me tell you what you do. When you reach a certain age and you go ahead and go, I'm going to pray for you. You say say that to somebody. Hey, I'll pray for you. The older you get, the more you forget. Okay? So don't go ahead and say you'll pray for somebody and not do it. What you do is the minute you say, hey, man, I'm going to pray for you, do it right then in their presence. Grab them. Let's pray about it right now. You're standing in the middle of Walmart. Well, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. No, you pray for them right there. One of the best things I get to do is pray with our teenagers on Friday night. We get to pray for them when they do something extraordinary. I got to pray with a bunch of kids last Friday night. One of the kids did something he's never done before. And when he did, and I ran over there and I said, man, that's great. I'm so grateful for you. Let's thank God for this. Let me tell you what happened. He'd never done that He'd never had somebody pray with him in public. And so here he is. He's pouring sweat. He's got his helmet on, and he's locked. All right, we have a guy in our church, Ken Brannon. I, I love Ken, okay? I, Ken does not like to be hugged. And, and there's several of us in this church that tease him about that, right? He doesn't like to be hugged. And I will go up and hug him. It's like hugging a two-by-four. And so this kid is just locked. He's locked up. And I said, God, thank you so much for giving him the ability to run fast. There were people chasing him, trying to kill him out there. But God, thank you for giving him legs that he could run and he could bring you glory. And he ran all the way in and he scored a touchdown on a blocked punt. Actually, a bad center snap. Thank you for that. And he's locked like a stone. Let me share with you folks, part of growing up 
is understanding what you do and don't do. When you go ahead and, and know that God wants you to do something, do that with absolute passion. If you have to at, listen, if you have to ask whether God wants you to do something or not do something, and it's one of these instant bang bang deals, and you don't know the difference, don't do it. Wait. Wait until God gives you His consent. But folks, the reality is you are seeking God's consent on everything that you do, whether it's taking a loan out of the bank, out, out of the bank, or whether it's going ahead and saying, "Do I need to go ahead and coach?" or referee, or work with upward basketball. God has that opportunity to tell me what to do. Not only that, but put yourself in the place where you have that choice. So many times what we'll do in our life, and Paul talks about this, he says, look, I train my body so that I'm ready in a moment to be able to run. That means I'm pre-planning for, for the the things I've got to do. I'm getting in shape as an athlete. Well, as a spiritual athlete, as we're running this race that we call life, God tells us that what we're also supposed to be able to do is put ourselves in a place where we have the opportunity to have choice. And guys, that means looking out to see where and what God is leading you to. Not just simply saying, okay, God, well, you know, it's going to be a normal Monday tomorrow. And so help me go ahead and uh, wake up, that'd be good, and uh, get up and eat breakfast and feed the dogs and, and, and get in the car, get, dre- well, get dressed, then get in the car and go to work and do these things. And you go down your little checklist of your things, and in reality you've never consulted God about what he is going to bring in your life that is unplanned. Part of growing up in Christ, part of maturing in Christ, is being sensitive enough to hear what God wants you to do and to hear His voice and to be able to go ahead and not anticipate it, but walk where He tells you to walk. Be ready. Be ready to make the choice. And listen to me. When you make that choice, make sure that it is a choice that honors Him. You see, the truth that you and I also have to understand is that you give God the chance to lead you in your choices. So what are the things that you do and don't do? What are the do and don't do things? I've shared with you there's a danger. We look at life as a set of do's and don'ts. As a Christ follower, instead of giving God the chance to lead in those decisions, I want to share with you the do's and don'ts that has to do with making a God-centered choice in the way you run for God. First of all, don't do anything that will dishonor God. Don't do anything that will dishonor Him. Live your life in a way that you live so that you don't dishonor God. So when things don't work out, When the score is not like you want it, don't come unhinged. Because when people see or hear you unhinged, they will sit there and go, that's your God? Don't want any part of him. Don't want any part of him. I have a friend of mine who is a pastor 
many years ago, he was asked to serve within the Southern Baptist Convention in a position of leadership. He got into a meeting where they were discussing dismissing a president of our seminary, my seminary. I have known this fellow for the balance of my adult life. And as he was sitting there, he began to hear one man after another after another, and these were leaders within our convention, and they began to talk about, here's what we need to do. This is the strategy we need to have. And guys, listen, planning is not bad, but any plan you have is up for the scrutiny and the will of Almighty God. Don't plan anything without God's presence and guidance. How can we get rid of this man with the least effect and blow back on ourselves? And he said, I was absolutely mortified. He said, I had no idea that preachers would act this way. Oh, yeah. We're a piece of work, folks. We're just like every one of you. Feet of clay. And as one particular leader in our convention made the comment, all we have to do is get him to say this. He said, I was taken back to the scriptures which said, all we have to do is get Jesus to admit that he is God and we have him. Instead of my friend becoming cynical, he stopped and he said, you know what? I don't think this honors God. And he was asked to leave the meeting. It was really cool. He got up and left. He got up and left. Folks, you and I have the opportunity to live our lives, and one of the great don'ts is don't do anything that would dishonor your heavenly Father who bought your salvation with His own precious blood. I don't want to do it. I do so many things that dishonor God. But I don't want to do those things. And like Paul says later on, in the he says, man, the person I am right now, I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be better than that. And, and I'm going to strive to do that. But God, please make me better than I am. That ought to be our plea every time we breathe air. God, I'm going to make mistakes, but help me make brand new ones instead of the same ones again and again and again. Don't do anything that's going to dishonor God. Before you do something, ask if this honors God. And if it doesn't, run from it. Get out of there. One more don't and then a big do. Don't do anything that's going to purposely and intentionally injure someone else. I was invited to go to a football game when I was in college at at SMU. I was invited to go to the Texas Tech A&M game. Now, this was back in 1976, and A&M and Tech had incredible teams. And as I'm driving out from Dallas to Lubbock, 
It is Friday afternoon, and I am burning it. Got out of class, got out of practice. We got, I, I'm taking off. We had an off week that week. I am taking off, and I get to, to Jacksboro. Anybody in here know where Jacksboro is? Okay. I'm going, okay? I'm going fast enough that if I had been in that car right now, all the wrinkles I have right now would be nice and pressed out. I'd look like a 20-year-old. And as I'm flying along, a car absolutely leaves me. I will tell you what it was. A 1973 Dodge Challenger. Every man in here ought to go, ooh. Yeah. 318, four barrels. I heard every one of them as they passed by. Wow! And it had a little A&M sticker on it. And I'm going, I can't believe that. I was in a Volkswagen Beetle, okay? I'm going 60 miles an hour. I'm thinking, they're violating the law. How dare they? Over the rise, a DPS agent had them pulled over. So as I'm driving by, I am ashamed of this. Aggies, forgive me, please. Volkswagen horns have a distinct sound. So as I'm driving by, I go, the DPS agent turns. These were three A&M core guys and three girls. And they're all standing out there. And they look at me with shock and rage. And I pass by them at full speed at 50 miles an hour. I knew I had to get to Lubbock quick because they would know my car. What I did injured them. They were already injured. They were, they, Why did I do that? It didn't honor God. It simply made me feel, well, you got what you deserved. Guys, no one in here wants what we deserve. What you and I deserve, we are thankful to God we don't have to get that. Don't do anything that injures someone else intentionally. Because God died for that person that you want to injure. It means you're going to go ahead and have to swallow a lot. But I'm going to share with you, you will live your life so that you don't think about something 40 years ago that happened and go, I wish I didn't do that. And then you preach about it on a Sunday morning in September in Navasota. What do you do? I got this while Caitlin was a student at Brazos Christian School. Several of the teachers and staff were committed to this very principle. It's one that ought to be the simple, accepted standard of every Christ follower, but sadly it's often not. In my life and the life of many of us, do everything with excellence because God is your only audience. Do everything you do with excellence because God's the only audience that you that you have to have to perform before. I'm not performing this morning in front of this crowd of hundreds. 
I have responsibility to one. So do you. Run for God. And run in your life with excellence. What does that even mean? It means that when you are dead tired, that you strive to honor God with your best. Does it mean it will be perfect every time? Absolutely not. But it means you will seek and strive for that purpose because you're honoring God with what you do. It means sometimes you don't do things because you know you cannot do it with excellence. Instead, you have to find people that are better at it than you and humble yourself and swallow whatever pride you've got or arrogance that you've got and let God take that person and elevate them instead of you being the one in charge. Do what you do with excellence because God is watching. Share with this as we close. There are many, many things that we do with excellence here at this church. I have people that will tell me this. They're not members here, and they will say, you know, one person made this comment. He said, you know, you guys are the very best at being a shoulder that people can cry on. Wow. He told me this. He said, if you guys don't do anything else well, you do that. There's a shoulder that someone is broken. You, you're the people that, that they can cry on. Folks, I will take that if we do it with excellence. But whatever God tells you to do this week, pursue it with that in mind. Instead of just saying, i got to go cut the grass, and once I get it done, that will be good enough. No, cut it with excellence. I've got to go ahead and go to work and punch in my eight hours. Don't do that. Serve your boss with excellence because it will honor God. I've got to come home and I've got to take care of my little girl because Stacy is out of town on work. And I've got to make I've got to make lunch immediately following this. I need to quit. Yep, she's hungry. All right. I want to make lunch with excellence. It sounds stupid, folks, but that is the principle that you and I must adopt if we're going to run for our heavenly Father. Do it with excellence. And part of that means that if God is speaking your name this morning, calling you to a faith relationship with Him, calling you to a place where He wants you to plant in, inside His church, then you do that with excellence. If He calls your name, the right answer is yes. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank You for this time. Thank You for folks that, that love You and, and You use to go ahead and act as holy sandpaper. Your Holy Spirit, as He speaks our name, as He brings people to mind that have 
put us in this place of an opportunity to say yes to you. I pray, Father, before we take our first step in that yes, we will consult you and ask you what it is you want us to do. And when we hear your voice, that still small voice in our lives, our answer will be yes, and we will go ahead and pursue you with headlong abandon and excellence. This is your time. Next few moments as we have this hymn of commitment, an invitation to anyone that is here to respond not to my words, but to your calling. I pray our answer will be yes. And our steps will be guided by you and you only. Take this time. It is yours. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together. Ross is going to go ahead and lead us in this hymn of commitment. God speaking to your heart. I'll be here at our altar. You come.